Hello and welcome to Blue Bros 2. This time it's personal. I am your host Brandon and here again with me unfortunately is Caleb. Caleb, how are you doing? I hate your face. <laughs> I hate everything about you. Uh, yeah, well, you're just going to have to deal with it. Um, so, <laughs> just same as last week, uh, what have you been watching? Oh, um, well, did I mention last week that I was watching Beyond Stranger Things? Uh, Beyond Stranger Things? I don't think so. Okay, have you have you heard about that? It's on Netflix. Yeah, isn't it like the talking and interview segment? Something yeah. like that? Yeah, they did it uh, after between season two and season three. Um, okay. So I, I kind of leave it on and like I'm kind of doing some stuff while it's on. So I, I listen for some parts that stick out to me. But yeah, it's just kind of interesting because they, they talk with the director and the writers or the creators and some of the actors and things like that. So it's interesting to hear their perspective. Um, and some some of the things that you're kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, I kind of expected that. or That sounds about right. But then there are certain things where like, oh, my gosh, you know, that's I didn't even like make a connection with that. Um, mm-hmm. one thing I'll point out is, um, uh, the, and this is dealing with season two. So if you haven't watched season two and you get a spoiler here, I don't really apologize because if you care about the show, you should have seen season two by now. Spoiler um, warning. Spoiler. <laughs> we need a soundbite for that. Um, the, they talked about the beginning of season two and you remember how it started with the arcade. Um, yeah they all like scrambled and got quarters and they went to the arcade and everything and they played that game. I, I can't remember what it's called, but they were all talking about the girl in the game and they were essentially fighting over who, who won the girl. Mm -hmm. And they talked about how they specifically pointed it towards, um, Dustin and crap. What's his name? Um, the black kid. Oh. Uh, why can't I think of his name? His his oh real gosh. name's Caleb. Uh, it's that <laughs> I can remember that. Um, I, my gosh, why can't I think of his name? No. We we both watched like all three seasons. What's wrong with us? I I think it's because he doesn't really have like a too prominent role. Yeah. Um, Lucas is his name. Thank you, Lucas. Oh my gosh, I was looking it up and I was just like, how how are there all these different actors ahead of Lucas? Like the first <laughs> thing that pops up. Thanks, thanks Google. Um, but yeah, so anyways, Lucas and Dustin. Um, and they talked about how they actually did that as an introduction to them fighting over Maxine. Hmm. And I was just like, oh, that's kind of interesting. I never really put that connection there because they were the two main ones fighting over the video game in the arcade and they were kind of uh making the suggestion for they're going to be fighting over maxine throughout the season yeah foreshadowing yes foreshadowing thank you i was i was trying to think of the real word the accurate <laughs> word I, I was a little yeah, bit thrown really off because somebody was, was you know calling me out and you know throwing me under the bus at the beginning of the episode so now i'm not prepared for any of this <laughs> You should be used to it by now. I should be used to it by now, yes. So, anyways, <laughs> yes, I'm watching that. So, it's if you really like Stranger Things as much as I do, and um, I, I do recommend watching it at some point. It's got some interesting stuff. 
it's not, uh, you know, riveting, but some of it will definitely be interesting. Uh, outside of that, I'm just basically preparing for football overload as the season kicks off. So what, what have you been watching though? Uh, I'm still on the wonder years right now on Hulu. Um, you know, I'm coming into the last season here. Um, you know, still good. You know, not quite as good as the first couple seasons, but it's one of those shows that doesn't really truly drop off. It just kind of ends. Um, I mean, they had a proper like two part last farewell episode, but you know, the quality doesn't really drop too, down too much. Uh, other than that, I've been watching Cinemassacre's Monster Madness on YouTube. Uh, for anybody who knows Cinemassacre, uh, it's, you know, James Rolfe, he also plays the Angry Video Game Nerd. Uh, it's probably what he's most known for. Uh, every October, he he used to do a horror movie review for each day in October. Uh, so there's like probably six years worth of it. Oh, wow. So, you know, a whole bunch of, they're short, you know, most of them are under 10 minutes. Uh, there's a playlist that I watch like every single year. It just it helps me get into the, you know, helps me get into the Halloween, Halloween mood, I guess, you know, with that, with fall coming up soon here and everything. So, you know, I always like to check that out every single year. Nice. Uh, but I mean, moving on from that, I guess, you know, we can go into our first segment here, which is uh, classic. Did you know? Oh, sorry. Premature. A little premature there. <laughs> A little premature button pushing. So, <laughs> um, yeah, don't mind that. Here we go. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Everything is normal. <laughs> Move along. Move along. We're professionals. It's okay. Yes. <laughs> Did you know uh, we get our classic little factoids and trivia, basically? Um, things to enrich your life. Uh, things for your health here. Uh, and it's my turn this week. So I found something kind of interesting online the other day. And did you know that Michael J. Fox's middle name is Andrew? What? <laughs> so his real name is Michael Andrew Fox. Where the heck so did you get the Michael? The J is just his stage. <laughs> It's just a stage name. Really? Yeah. I, I. Oh my gosh! I've been watching Michael J. Fox stuff like all my life, and had no idea that that his middle name was Andrew. So, so basically, it's his stage name is his real name, but with a different middle initial. Yeah. It's so basically his stage. The only difference is that he's got a different middle initial for his stage name. I'm still processing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it, it fit well, you know, with our with our movie episodes. Um, it's just something that I figured would probably blow your mind because I know uh, we both like the Back to the Future movies, and you know we've we've seen our fair share of Michael J. Fox. So yeah, and ironically enough, Back to the Future was in the most recent episode uh, season of Stranger Things. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that, I mean, and Michael J. Fox just seems right. Mm -hmm. Like, if you think Michael Fox, 
I think Michael Scott. Um, Michael G. Fox. <laughs> Michael G. Scott. Well, uh, yeah, Michael A. Fox. Yeah, that doesn't. That definitely does not sound as good. It's like you're saying Michael's a fox. Michael the quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Wow. Well, yeah, that's that's interesting. That that would be a great trivia question. Oh my gosh, so many people yeah. would get that wrong. What is Michael J. Fox's middle name? Wow. Yeah, that that would totally stump a lot of people. That that's a good one. I I commend you on that. That that is a good one. All right. So now that I've blown your mind, uh, you know, let's move into the main topic. Hey, everybody. This is Caleb from Blue Bros. Wanting to take a moment to talk to you real quick and tell you a little bit more about Anchor. You can download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm. This is a great place to host your podcast. We have been on different platforms before and we have moved to anchor and we are super excited about this. It is such an easy way to do your podcast. You can do it from a computer. You can do it from a phone. All of it can be done for free. Learn more about what you can do with podcasting with anchor today by downloading the anchor app or going to anchor.fm to get started. feel like that's very fitting fitting music <laughs> yes for a topic this week uh yeah so this week we are discussing the 1987 action movie deadly prey which is directed by david a Pryor. it is starring his brother ted Pryor, cameron mitchell troy donahue and others Wait, what was, uh, I'm sorry, what was the director's name? David A. Pryor. Okay. <laughs> Are you taking notes on it? Well, no, yeah, I'm taking notes while we're doing that. No, I'm actually kind of curious on what else he uh, directed. Oh, man, he's made so many movies. Uh, a lot of uh, 80s and 90s action movies. Um, he made a few horror movies as well. Um, I'll get into that a little bit later. Okay. Um, so I, I could drop the plot here uh, with Deadly Prey it's, it's about a group of sadistic mercenaries they kidnap people off the streets set them loose uh, um, in the woods of their secret camp so the students of the, t- of the, the group uh, they can hunt these people down and kill their prey uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is only a movie that could really happen in the 80s. Uh, you know, so they do that for a while, and then the the commander, he doesn't like how easy it is for these guys because he feels like they're not really learning anything. So they want uh, the kidnappers to go out and find some more athletic victims. Uh, they get more than they bargained for when they kidnap a Vietnam veteran and former special operative Mike Danton. Played by Ted Pryor. <laughs> Which, that musical sting, you're going to hear many times during this movie. <laughs> Basically, anytime they show Mike Danton. 
after he's kidnapped. Every time you say his name. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's it's pretty close. It's, yeah. it's definitely every time he does anything of action. Definitely any time, you know, they want to show him off because, uh, you know, I mean, it's the 80s. The action heroes at the time, you know, Stallone, Van Damme, uh, Arnold, um, you know, all big guys, big, strong guys, muscular uh, and I mean Ted Pryor, same way. Uh, former bodybuilder. Um, you know they're going to show him numerous times, trying to show off his physique and everything. So, <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah. So I, I, I kind of had this movie broke down in a couple segments here to kind of keep us uh, on track and to keep the you know, keep us just from talking about funny things the whole time. <laughs> um, and I kind of start off with highlights uh so what were a few things that stuck out to you or some of your favorite scenes from this movie oh uh, well something that i definitely want to mention uh since you were just talking about it um he he definitely is um dan the character dan is definitely impressed like he is ripped um i i would even argue he seemed like he was probably more ripped than uh stallone in some of his first movies mm-hmm. um because Dan's just a, a little bit bigger. Um, I feel like uh, Stallone was a little bit smaller before he did steroids or whatever else he did to bulk up. Um, but yeah, it, it just kind of makes me fun. Uh, I, I didn't realize that he was, you said he was a former bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't realize that because he, which actually is a huge thing in movies, not surprising. Um, but the after so as Brennan said, he gets kidnapped to go through this uh, thing where he gets hunted. Um, they essentially show him off as if he was in a bodybuilding competition because <laughs> one scene he's getting thrown into a van to be kidnapped. And then the next he's standing there short shorts. That's it. Like no shirt, no shoes, no socks, nothing short shorts. And he's like baby oiled up. Mm-hmm. Like unless they were hot boxing that car <laughs> or that van, there's no reason he should have been sweating that much. Uh, so yeah, they definitely went like a little over the top with that one. So you got the blonde mullet, you got the glistening muscles. Uh, you can't really get much more eighties than yeah. what Danton looks like in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, do you want me to share just like one of my favorite scenes and go back and forth? Or do you want me to go through the couple that I got? I'll just share the couple that you got. Okay. Uh, there, it's going to be a little bit sporadic. It's actually going to be kind of like towards the beginning of the show or movie and also then skipping to the end. Um, but two that I definitely want to mention are just how they set up this movie then once Danton is being hunted. Because his first kill is just already kind of over the top. Um, he, so he, he's being chased and there, so he has nothing. These guys are chasing him with guns, you know, like, um, well, why can't I think AR assault 15s. rifles? Yeah. AR 15s or something like that. Um, and he sneaks up on this guy and he's a pretty tiny guy. He punches the dude in, the, uh, in the throat and then he picks him up sideways and snaps his back against a tree trunk. <laughs> so that that like basically is just kind of like hey 
buckle in because this is going to be a ridiculous, you know, how can we kill people in the most unique ways kind of movie. Yeah, it's definitely it sets the tone for the movie. Yeah. Um, so that that is definitely uh, I mean, you know, it's your first introduction of I mean, some people die before that, but that's your first introduction to Danton and his amazing military experience. Um, but then the, the other thing, the other one that I definitely want to mention, and then I'll hand it off to you. And this kind of is going to uh, show you a little bit more of the the rest of the story and the plot. Um, it, when he gets kidnapped, his wife contacts her father. Uh, so this is Danton's father-in-law and she doesn't call the police. And she actually says that she witnessed him being kidnapped. So she doesn't call the police, <laughs> but she calls her father and uh, he is ex law enforcement. He was a police officer in LA. That's where they were living. Mm-hmm. And so he winds up doing his whole, like, I'm a rogue cop. You know, I'm, I'm going to figure this out. And somehow he finds where, who has him and where they are. However, he does that. Um, but he, I, I feel like I'm throwing a lot of information here, but here's kind of like the interesting thing. So this is an ex cop and he, he sneaks into the military base. He sees like the people running the military base and then he decides to plant a trap to catch one of the guys. And so I'm talking about the scene where he pretended to have a accident with his car. Mm-hmm. And so he, his car is on the side of the road, uh, leaving their base. And he's on the outside of his car. And this big, like, mysterious mer- uh, mercenary funder business guy is leaving the base. And somehow he finds it in his goodwill um, from being, you know, somebody who just kills people every day for money or has people killed (laughs) that he needs to stop and help somebody who hasn't had an accident on the side of the road. But the thing on top of that, that just, you know, I know when you're making a movie like this, you don't think of these details maybe, but it's kind of like, I don't really see how they couldn't. But this is supposed to be like some guy who has millions of dollars and tells everybody else what to do. But somehow he cannot afford a chauffeur. <laughs> so he gets out of the car by himself. And then Dan's father-in-law goes kind of psycho and he just shoots the guy. <laughs> just, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I guess I never really paid attention too much to the... The guy being super rich and not having a chauffeur. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's hilarious. It's funny, um, you know, how different people pick up on different things. Yeah, and, and I kind of, I was just like, you know, maybe somebody else picked on the on this too, I'm not sure. But but then it goes to kind of the weirdest room where it's just like, here's an ex-cop, and now he's just like randomly killing people with no, jur- I mean, obviously he's retired, so jurisdiction, whatever, he doesn't have to worry about. But he, he totally doesn't care. He just starts killing people. And I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to develop with this character. But again, when you're working with a movie like this, character development is not really the foremost thing that people usually work on in these budgets, but <laughs> very entertaining at least. So Yeah, those, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, I definitely had to share those two. So I, I might talk about some other uh, later, but those were the two that I had written down specifically. Uh, yeah, the first one that really pops 
into my mind is the kill where Danton's laying in a pile of leaves and the guy walks by him and he just like stabs him. <laughs> <laughs> he just like pops up out of the leaves and stabs the guy. Uh, that scene I saw in the trailer on YouTube and that was the reason that I bought this movie on like a bootleg DVD off Amazon because it, it's before then it never had a true like Blu-ray or DVD release. Uh-huh. So <laughs> the one I bought is actually, it looks like somebody like made it on their computer back in, I don't know, like 2003. You remember <laughs> the ones that would have like the weird, uh, title screens like the super generic title screens oh my gosh yeah like iMovie or something or yeah that's basically basically like what i have um i mean since then it has had an official release on dvd um i think i might actually have a blu-ray release as well um but yeah, I mean, that was the scene that really made me interested in this movie and to check it out just because, you know, that was kind of like, like you mentioned with the back breaking over the tree, uh, the hiding in the leaves part happens not too long after that. And, you know, just continuing with the the tone of the movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the second one I have to mention is um, the part where they're looking for Danton. Uh, they're running around trying to find the guy. Like, oh man, where's he at? And then they move, the camera like pans up, and Dan <laughs> is hiding up in a tree, maybe ten feet up in the air above not these even. guys. No, not, not, not even. No, people's not like eight. Even 10 feet. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, how could you not see him? Like, you can't see this like two hundred and forty pound muscular oiled up guy with a long blonde mullet up in a tree. <laughs> That was, oh my gosh, that, yes, I, if you weren't going to mention that one, that had to be brought up at some point. That, <laughs> that was terrible. Uh, and actually, I do remember that specific part because that was, um, that was when, and hopefully I'm not going to steal anything from you here, but, um, that was when the Colonel went out with his Lieutenant to look for him. And like mm-hmm. some guy runs back to camp and, um, was telling him that everybody was dead. <laughs> Yeah, and then that's when the colonel decides, you know, I better check this out. Uh, and it, it drops one of my favorite quotes from the movie. Um, the colonel runs up. He's checking the body of one of the last guys that Dayton killed. And he says, I know this. I know the style. It's my style. Danton? Mike Danton? It's gotta be. <laughs> <laughs> just from seeing a dead body, not seeing how the guy was killed, you know, just assuming how he was killed, not seeing the actual act, and knowing that it's like some specific style that only he has in the world. And to know that he was the guy who trained Danton in Vietnam. And that's, you know, that's kind of like more of the backstory of Danton's training and everything. But just the idea that he could tell just from looking at a corpse on the ground that how this guy was killed. And apparently Danton's the only guy he's ever trained. (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, not even that. Like, because I totally agree with you. It's totally nonsense. He doesn't even really investigate the body. Like you said, he looks at it. 
Like he doesn't flip yeah. the body over. And Danton, <laughs> like nine times out of ten, just stabbed guys. Like, and it wasn't a specific way he stabbed them every time. Every time it was kind of different. So essentially what he's saying is there's only a specific way I taught him to stab a guy. <laughs> and it, apparently it's with sharpened um branches into spears and knives yeah. and spikes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh the, you know the kind of last highlight I have here um of a specific like kill is when you mentioned how the guy comes back to camp and mentions that all the other guys are dead. The commander goes off and everything. Danton finds his way to the camp and he gets in a fight with some of the guys that are left over. Uh, one kill he has is that he grabs a grenade, opens up the front of the guy, or pulls out the guy's pants and drops the grenade down into the guy's pants and he blows up. And the only thing that's left there is a smoking boot. <laughs> <laughs> that gets me every single time. <laughs> well, actually, uh, I'm going to even add more to that, to the ridiculousness. So two, two things. Um, uh, there were two people that they showed kidnapped. Dan was the main one, but to lead up to the beginning, they had a decent introduction because they showed the mercenaries hunting a different guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but in both cases, the first guy and Dan both disarmed mercenaries. Mm. But for whatever reason, they chose not to take their guns. <laughs> like you're, you are being hunted and you have the opportunity to level the playing field a little bit, but you decide not to take their guns. Like blows my mind. So actually up until this point, I, I specifically remember this. I wrote this down up until that point where you just explained the grenade kill Danton had not killed anyone with a weapon, like with a, with a, you know, military firearm. Yeah. Yeah. So his first kill, he randomly, randomly, like it doesn't, maybe they're suggesting that he took the grenade off of the guy, but they don't actually show that happening. Randomly. He's just holding onto a grenade ready to use it on a guy that attacks him. Like he never holds on to any other weapon, but conveniently he gets pounced on and he has a grenade in hand to shove down this guy's pants. <laughs> I'm just like, God, I guess don't that you... just goes to show how much of a badass that Mike Danton is, you know, Rambo, he needed, um, you know, big 50 caliber machine guns, but Danton has his hands. Yeah. Oh man. Single but, grenade. But so, but that's another thing though, too. It's just like, when you think about it, Dan could not have hidden that grenade anywhere on him. Cause you cannot get any smaller shorts than what he had on. Yeah. Basically he's wearing, um, some 1980s basketball shorts. That's what they kind of look like, except they're kind of like cut off jeans. Yeah. I think they were cut off. jeans. <laughs> so there's not like a pocket. He could stick a grenade in. At least Rambo had like a mil, uh, uh, ammo belt and some like military pants or something and whatnot. No, like conveniently Dan had that thing in hand. I don't know. Just you, I, I was sitting there and I watched, was watching and I was just like, how did people not like go back and watch this and think, Oh crap, we kind of screwed up. Maybe we should try to fix this loop of this <laughs> like pothole. But I don't know. I'm thinking this is probably one of those movies where, you know, they did one reading for a scene, and they're like, you know, that's good. Let's roll with it. <laughs> Brilliant. Perfect. 
uh, kind of like what we talked about with Miami Connection. Oh, um, yes. Two, two 80s action movies, low budget, uh, B movies, if you will. Um, similar in ways, different in many others. But yeah, I feel like they both kind of did that, where they would just shoot a scene once, roll with it. Other times they would have shot multiple ones, but continuity definitely wasn't wasn't a priority. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, did you have any other ones? Uh, not specific scenes. Uh, there there'll be some things I might bring up uh, as we talk, but I can't think of any specific scenes. Uh, you know, since you don't have any more, I got a couple more here. Um, <laughs> there's one scene where Danton actually gets captured when he's at the camp, and they have him tied up, and they're basically like interrogating him, and uh, you know, they they kidnap his wife, and they're gonna like beat her and everything, and uh, actually the commander ends up raping her, which was kind of disturbing. <laughs> Yes, very <laughs> awkward scene. But there's back at the camp. There's also this other woman. There's only like two women in this entire movie. Yeah, you got Danton's wife, and then you got this other woman who's like a little more muscular, a little more athletic. Uh, and she's like trash talking Danton, and Danton actually hits her, <laughs> which like blew my mind. Like he totally just punches her. <laughs> which I mean, that would not fly now, but like back then, it's just. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, and that's when he like escapes, I guess, for the second time. Yeah. Uh, and then my, one of my other favorite moments is towards the end. Um, and it, for everybody listening, like Caleb and I watched this movie together before a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a great time with it. But <laughs> the scene I know we both really laughed at is where he's facing off against the guy I refer to as Shades. <laughs> <laughs> who he's he's kind of big um you could tell you know he works out he's a weightlifter too uh he's got kind of poofy brown hair he always wears a black tank top and he's he's always wearing these huge like super dark shades uh and he's is he like the second in command or something to the commander yeah, this it's basically way the colonel it, the colonel is the main guy and then the lieutenant is the guy all in all black yeah, shades. <laughs> yeah. So there's a scene where him and Danton like face off, and they kind of talk a little bit to each other, and then Danton starts running towards him with a machete, and <laughs> Shades is fired at him with a gun, like point blank, and he's completely missing it. Like his aim is worse than a, a stormtrooper from Star Wars. Yes. It Danton grabs the guy's arm and like hacks it off with a machete in like one <laughs> fell swoop. That he. But wait, there's to, more. He proceeds to grab the guy's arm and smack him in the face with it. <laughs> uh, that that's one of those things where you talk about in action movies, where it's something you wanted to see but you don't think you would ever see it in a movie that's played to be serious. Like this isn't, you know, this isn't like an action comedy like. What Kung Pao Enter the Fist or something like Kung that? Fury no, this is or something. Yeah, yeah. This is a movie that's set to be serious, and Dan hacks the guy's arm off and smacks him in the face of it multiple <laughs> times. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah. Actually, uh, I don't know if you remember, but right before that is when he, um, oh yeah, no, actually that very scene was when, uh, shades killed Dan's wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's what, that's what sends, uh, Dan over the deep end, I guess. Yeah. So uh, that's essentially them trying to show you that Dan's just lost his mind and he's beating a guy to death with his own arm. Well, something else to mention uh, real quick, too, that uh, I thought uh, you might mention uh, when you were talking about Shades is I thought it was kind of funny, too, because Dan is the best guy that the colonel has ever trained. But then Dan and the lieutenant actually or Shades face off earlier. Mm -hmm. And um, Shades had a gun and Dan had a knife. So Shades throws down his gun, kind of like, I don't need a gun to kill you. And Mm -hmm. then Dan's standing there with a knife, and the dude does, like, one spin kick and knocks the knife out of Dan's hand. (laughs) And I'm just like, dude, you're supposed to be the best. And this guy does a slow spin kick and somehow knocks the knife out of your hand. It's like, if you're going to make him be the best, you got to make it look like he's the best. We're not talking like a super fast Jet Li, uh, Van Dam, you know, spin kick. We're talking like a slow, telegraphed, you know, like professional wrestling <laughs> spin kick, where Danton had plenty enough time to react. And you know, if he's the the ultimate soldier killing machine that you know we're led to believe he is, um, it's it's just hilarious. Oh yeah. It seems like, you know, if he's really that who we think he is, he would he would be able to dodge that and just, you know, kill the guy. Yeah. One one thing, other thing that I thought of that I do want to mention before we kind of jump into something else. But another scene worth mentioning, especially since you talked about it, the the evil woman, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so Dan, Dan somehow escapes um, and then he somehow makes it from how many miles outside of L.A.? Was it, they said, south of L.A., like 80 miles or something? Yeah, it was something ridiculous. Somehow he makes it back to his home in L.A. <laughs> within, like, a day, and he's still only in shorts. Like, <laughs> if if he hitchhiked home, that had to be the most awkward ride ever. But he makes it home, and he gets into his house, and he's frantic because he realizes his wife is missing, and the evil woman is sitting in his at his dining room table and she's mm-hmm. got a gun pointed at him. And this, <laughs> and this is just how hilarious it is because we're talking about 1987 here. This movie was made. So they have just your regular dial rotary phones. He shows up, they exchange some heated conversation and within seconds, the phone rings and she picks it up and she's like, it's for you. And it's like, <laughs> How and why? Well, like th- there's no way any of that would happen. <laughs> and so it just made me laugh. Where I'm just like, okay, they knew Danton showed up, so then they called. Oh, that's just the charm of this movie, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, we'll move on here. Um, do you have a favorite quote from the movie? Uh, I have a couple that are worth uh, mentioning. Okay. 
And uh, do you want again? Do you want me to just go through them all? Or do you want to alternate? Uh, yeah, just go through them all, dude. Okay. Um, what I got here we go. Favorite quotes. Um, <laughs> I can't remember exactly when it was, but uh, this is one mercenary talking to the lieutenant, and uh, the mercenary says, like, uh, is freaking out, and he's like, "We're not hu- hunting him; he's hunting us." <laughs> and the lieutenant shades uh, gets upset, turns to him, and this is all he says: "Suck this," and then he shoots him. <laughs> Nice, nice one-liner, bud. <laughs> yeah, the one-liners in this are, like, really bad. There are a couple uh, other ones that I didn't uh, mention, but one that was uh, pretty interesting was the colonel is trying to have an intense conversation with Dan's wife, uh, which is actually kind of funny because um, the colonel is not the best actor in this movie. <laughs> uh, he's not the worst, but uh, anyways... So he's trying to get all serious with Dan's wife. And this is, quote, what he says to her. And I just find it funny. And I'll try, I'll try to say it the same tone and the same speed that he does. It's just funny how repetitious it sounds and everything. So he says, your husband has caused me a great deal of trouble, Miss Stanton. A great deal of trouble. He and I were once friends. Good friends. But he has made me angry. Very angry. And I was just like, what is like <laughs> dramatic pause? Repeat what you said. Dramatic pause. And I'm just like, that, that, that's the most interesting thing you can come up with where it's just like, we were once friends. Good friends. Now I'm angry. Very angry. I'm like, <laughs> oh. I, I, I rolled my eyes at that one. Oh. But, yeah, uh, and I mean, it's just a throwaway line because, like, that didn't need to be said. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it could have been it could have been a lot more interesting, and that was it was a little bland. I feel like so much of this movie, and I mean, I know there's a script, but you know, in I feel like in most good movies and a lot of good scenes, it's a little bit more organic, where it's just like, okay, you you are upset with this person and this is what you want to talk about and you know really get behind it but i feel like more so they memorized what they were going to say and they did it word for word mm-hmm. so anyways that that was kind of funny but the last one i'll throw out there is again returning to dan's father-in-law and um so he's searching for dan he's in the woods where the mercenaries are and he's running around with a shotgun and he runs into a mercenary. And so he's like, friend or enemy? And the mercenary says, I'm a friend. But, th- but then his father-in-law is like, you're a liar. And then he just shoots the guy. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, honestly, it's just kind of like, wh- why didn't you just shoot him in the first place? <sighs> <laughs> yeah, why well, take the time to ask him? Yeah. So they were trying to have some cool dialogue there, but it it was not. It was far from a cool factor. So those those were the quotes that I pulled directly out. So uh, the ones I had, I I mentioned the one earlier about the killing style with the curdle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other one I had was uh, with the the other guy 
that trained with Danton in Vietnam, and uh, you know Danton saved his life one time in Vietnam. Uh, so Cooper, he, I think, yeah, I believe that's his name. He takes sides with Danton to help him fight off the rest of the guys. Uh, there's a part where they're fighting and taking out guys, and the guy says to Danton, "I like being on the winning side. It's a lot healthier." <laughs> 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 I that, no, just a stupid line made me laugh um, he's another dude too that was a little bit bigger you could tell he, you know he was probably actually one of Ted Pryor's friends that just lifted weights with him <laughs> uh, I mean okay moving on from the quotes uh, you want to talk about the acting <laughs> yeah we talked about a little bit um... uh, yeah I mean I think we could agree that it, you know, it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, I I will say uh, is who who do you feel like did the best out of uh, out of everything? Oh man, um, well, I got it down here that pretty much everybody is bad. Yeah, but who is the least bad? I'll give a pass to Ted Pryor because you know he wasn't very experienced. I believe this was his third movie. And, you know, he wasn't really much of a trained actor. Like I said, the director was his brother. So a lot of times he was casted in the movies. Um, obviously, like we said earlier, that Ted, you know, had the look of an 80s action star. Yeah. And, you know, he, was, he wasn't too bad the way he delivered his lines and everything. Uh, he, you know, it's kind of a... I guess you could say, you know, he's like that cool factor. He just seems like a cool guy. Um. Yeah, but still not the best actor. Uh, the father-in-law, he wasn't awful. He's played by Cameron Mitchell. He's a veteran, veteran actor. Um, playing a lot of small roles. He did a lot of westerns back in the day. Uh, but again, you know, he wasn't great. I, you know, I'd probably say that Pryor and Mitchell were probably the two best. Yeah, I agree. I think. I mean, for his role, Danton did pretty good. I mean. You know, I mean, you kind of think about what Rambo had uh, for some of his stuff, and it wasn't exactly over the top amazing. I, I mean, Sylvester Stallone's done some great stuff, but uh, and Dan is definitely not uh, not that in this. But uh, just like from the basics, though, he kind of I feel like he was the one who captured it the best, his character the best, and um. Uh, but no, he was definitely not an A-list actor. He was the best of the bunch. I would probably, uh, I would probably put him, lump him even in the C area of acting. Um, if you kind of want to give it a letter grade or something, just because you know he did pretty good. But it was, I mean, also you're thinking this is the cheesy time of the '80s, so it mm-hmm. fit pretty well. But yeah, I'll say, I'll say this though, that you talked about the father his wife was not good. Like she may have been honestly, maybe of the main characters, the worst of all of them. In my opinion. Yeah, she was pretty bad. I, I don't know, just because her role was so small, I guess she didn't really distract me too much. Um, I think she was just kind of there because they needed Dan to have a wife for the story. Yeah. Um, and I mean, she was attractive, so that was probably a lot of the reason why she was chosen. Um, I mean, for a movie like this, 
I think the worst actor is the colonel. Oh, really? All of his lines are so, the way he delivers them are so, like, awkward and, and just wooden. Um, I mean, Shades wasn't great either, but he really didn't have as many lines as the colonel did. Where I feel like they expected the colonel to really, like, help carry the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point, and I agree with that. That he was probably worse off, uh, or that his had more of an effect because his role was bigger, so... Yeah, the the thing I'll say about uh, Dan's wife, though, is like uh, there's there's the scene. Uh, Dan's wife had like the crappiest experience. So, I mean, you think that's bad. Um, spoiler alert. Uh, Dan has his wife and his father-in-law killed. Technically, he doesn't know his father-in-law was killed. I don't know if you realize that because <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, he never witnessed it and nobody told him. So, right. Um, but his wife had the worst experience because she saw her husband kidnapped. She was then kidnapped. She was then raped. Then she saw her father killed in front of him. And then she was killed. (laughs) Crappy, crappy experience right there. Um, Yeah. It makes you really think this is a pretty misogynistic movie. If you think about it. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, she, uh, the scene where her dad gets captured and is brought to the Colonel when she is being held by the Colonel, um, she's supposed to be like an emotional wreck. And that's when she tells her father that the Colonel raped her it. And the whole time, the same level of emotion and it's just Mm -hmm. sobbing. It's not like dramatic, really. It's just sobbing. And she continues it like it's all I guess you would say her emotion is all monotone, even at when she sees her father get killed. Like it's the whole thing. It's just like <laughs> and just like through the whole thing. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, I now just saw my dad die. Same level of emotion. It's like, you know, maybe a little bit more dramatic, like a streak or something or fall on the ground. I don't know. Change it up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. The way she delivered her lines through the whole movie, there was, it was just terrible. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. And I mean, the next three things here, I'll, I'll kind of lump together just in, you know, in the interest of saving a little time here. Uh, so you talk about the camera work, the soundtrack, and the special effects. Uh, the camera work, I thought, was actually pretty decent for being a low-budget movie. Um, like I mentioned at the beginning, that David Pryor had a few other films before this. Uh, and I've actually seen the three that he had before this. <laughs> uh, or two of the three, at least. Uh, he had Killer Workout. Um, like right before this movie is a slasher movie. It actually has Ted Pryor in it as well. Um, not a bad movie. It's kind of fun. It's corny. It's ridiculous. Just like this. Uh, but his first one he had was a movie called Sledgehammer, which I watched probably about a month ago. It is known for being the first shot on video movie. Um, meaning that David A. Pryor shot the movie on a VHS camera. <laughs> So you can only imagine how great that is. My Lord, the camera work in that one is awful. Um, there's really <laughs> long lingering establishing shots that really don't add anything to the movie. And they're just horribly distracting. Uh, but, you know, that movie had some redeeming factors as well. So you can see like he had some talent, but 
as far as the camera work in this movie, I was I was actually kind of impressed with it. Yeah, no, it wasn't too bad. Uh, they didn't do their the camera work was good. They didn't really do much with like uh, creative angles and perspectives. Ever a couple times they did it, but very rarely. It was just pretty straightforward. I mean, which is not surprising for the eighties, but the quality of it, like you were saying, was actually kind of decent. But the creative creativity side wasn't anything to write home about. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the soundtrack, like you mentioned earlier, with the song they always play when they show Danton. Um, <laughs> that plays tons through the movie. Uh, you know, just ridiculous, corny, cliche music. Uh, it just really adds to the charm of the movie, I suppose. Um, and the song at the end of the movie is just horribly great. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. That was... <laughs> Uh, I was sitting there and listening to it for a minute. I was like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, the first time I saw this movie and that song came out at the end, I'm like, okay. <laughs> like it just, it's like a slow, somber song. Uh, it's It just kind of clashes funny with the tone of the movie. Uh, and the special effects, uh, there, I mean, there wasn't too much other than, you know, gunshots and stabbings. And we talked about the arm cutting scene being hilarious. Yeah, I had it down as as above average. You know, I've seen a lot of bad slasher movies where they just looked everything looked horribly fake. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in this movie that looked fake too, but it's just I don't know. It's just funny to me, so I can't really knock it too much. The two most impressive things, special effects wise, to me are the helicopter explosion. Mm-hmm. That was actually pretty well. Uh, but then I thought they executed it pretty well with the uh, spike through the throat kill. Yeah. That that was uh, pretty good. Outside of that, yeah, the special effect budget could have used maybe a little bit more money. The the explosions were kind of a little bit small, which, interestingly enough, the grenade grenades can't kill good people. They only kill bad people. And even grenades, when they go off uh, near the good characters, they barely injure them. Um, <laughs> Always. So, yeah, pers- just put a little perspective there for that. And the last thing here we'll talk about with with the movie itself, I guess, um, is the ending. Um, what did you think of the ending? Um, I will not say too much because I'll let you say your part because I have something that I think will blow your mind. <laughs> well, originally, I mean, I've seen this movie probably four or five times, I think. Um, mostly because I want to like show other people. <laughs> like oh you have to watch this movie like it's so hilarious so it's like me um, with donnie darko yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh i have it as, it's kind of a letdown i mean so danton kills everybody but the colonel and he stares him down you know colonel has no weapons he, d- he realizes like he doesn't stand a chance against danton danton tells the colonel to take his clothes off and run so that he can hunt him and the and colonel then we don't in amazing acting fashion is like, you can't do this. You can't do this. <laughs> and then like, we don't even see him like slaughter the Colonel. And it's like the dude raped and killed your wife. Like he doesn't know that he killed his father-in-law. So I understand that, but it's like, and we don't even get to see that guy get his comeuppance. Yeah. 
And, and to put it in context, right before this, so he killed the guy that killed his wife and beat him with his own arm, as we stated before. But once he's killed him and he's on the ground, Danton then goes full Blaine insano mode and is, and he scalps the guy. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so you're going up to leading to all this craziness, and then he scalps the guy, and then it goes to that end where it's just, like, open-ended. Like, no yeah. no dramatic, no, like, I mean, going from scalping a guy to I'm going to let you run away, and then I'm going to hunt you, and we'll leave it at that, is a huge drop-off. So, I thought that was kind of interesting, but... Yeah, it goes like from not zero to sixty, but like sixty to zero in a quarter of a second. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So um, now, now this is what I'll say, which I I think is kind of an interesting thing that to think about with the ending, and it, I don't, I honestly don't think they thought about this mm-hmm. because they didn't think about a lot of things with this movie. But a certain perspective that you could potentially take, because when Danton got kidnapped and wound up getting caught by the colonel, um, he asked him, you know, how many people he'd done this to. And he was like really ticked with him for what he was doing and how he was doing it. Yada, yada, yada. So Dan's like obviously the hero, but also the justice guy where he's just like, you can't do this to innocent people. Well, then. Uh, I know the colonel's not innocent, but it's essentially Danton turns into what he hated at the beginning of the movie with the concept of him hunting the colonel himself. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get that little interesting thing where it's just like, okay, is is he turning into what he never wanted to be? Or is it just <laughs> him trying to return, you know, serve the same kind of justice to the colonel? So that was kind of something that I thought of. Of I was just like, oh no, now Dan has turned into that which he never wanted to become. But I don't think they really thought that deeply into it. Yeah, I think you looked a little too deep into that. <laughs> <laughs> Way a little bit too far down that rabbit hole. Uh, no, that's interesting, though. I guess I never really thought about it that way. I, I don't um, really even think I was trying to break it down. It was just kind of like popped into my head. I was like, oh. That's kind of an interesting thing. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, moving on into the next part. I've got some trivia and some kind of cool facts here from the movie that I found out. Um, I'll give you a few here. I believe I got five of them. Uh, first one is there's a scene where you see Danton eating worms. Yeah. Um, and Ted Pryor actually ate those worms. They're real worms that he actually ate. That was so key to that movie. <laughs> right? That that really needed to happen. Um, <laughs> so, you know, talking about the craziness of this movie and how many kills there are, the body count is estimated at 65. Really? Yeah, because of all the guys he kills and then, like, all the explosions. Um, It's just not all the guys that Danton kills, but, like, all the kills in the movie. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, the body that's... count is estimated at 65. That seems about right. Uh, a little bit here about Ted Pryor. Like I mentioned earlier, that he didn't really have too much um, experience as an actor. 
previous, you know, he did the other two movies for his brother, like I mentioned, Sledgehammer and um, and Killer Workout. Uh, before that, he was a Playgirl model. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, that kind of comes in with, uh, you know, being ripped. Uh, a good-looking guy, you know, long blonde hair, which was, you know, kind of the style at the time, having the mullet and everything. So, you know, it makes sense. Um, and this movie, it was released one day after my first birthday. It was released oh, yeah. on November 2nd, 1987. Uh, and the last thing I got here is that the rats that Dayton eats in the movie were purchased from a pet store. See, I'm oh. not sure. It didn't say if he actually ate the rats or if they were just, you know, cooked and then, like, he pretended to eat one or something. I'm assuming that's probably what it was. Um, but also, I, you know, I guess if they were purchased from a, a pet store, then he wouldn't have to worry about disease or anything like that. Huh. But I'm sure that, like, animal rights would be all over them now if that was the, if it was a current movie. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. So, um, well, I I have something to throw in there that's not really a trivia thing, but since you're talking about some of his other movies and things like that, I want to point out something interesting that Ted Pryor uh, was in a movie that came out in 2008, and his role in that movie was playing the character of an acting coach. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Think about that. Yeah, in a movie called Corpse Run. And so I'm trying to figure out, okay, is this like, uh, it says comedy drama. Okay, so I wanted to make sure that wasn't like a documentary or something. And he was actually, yeah. Anyways, okay. I'm done with that. Um, and yeah, they actually made a sequel to this movie a few years ago called Deadliest Prey. And it does have Ted Pryor in it. I I haven't seen it. Um, you know, I've heard that it's it's not that great. It you know kind of loses the charm of the first one. But you know, if you guys end up watching this movie and decide you want a little bit more of Danton, <laughs> and maybe check it out. Um, I guess you know we can go ahead and rate this. Um, you know, I'm going to give it five five rocks. Five out of five? Yeah, I'm going to give it five because, you know, it's just a fun movie. Uh, if you like over-the-top 80s action, if you like just ridiculousness, bad acting, um, crazy off-the-wall things happening, you know, this is your type of movie. If you're a fan of bad movies, then you, you definitely should check it out. Yeah. Now, um, are we, uh, real quick, because we haven't talked about a whole lot, are we doing just straight up you know, one, two, three, four, five. Are we doing like four point five, um, and like that, or just one, two, three, four, five? Oh, you could do um, halves and quarters, or whatever the heck you want. I would probably just do halves. Uh, I was just kind of curious because I'm I'm a little bit torn between four and a half and five. I think I'm gonna wind up going with five though. Um, and for perspective, Miami connection is totally a five. Uh, like the oh, first, yeah. Yeah, the first movie review that we did was like set the bar high. So it's a five. <laughs> and this is a very good um, movie. I, I know we did one between this to follow up with it. And I'll also give it a five because I feel like it's in the same range as Miami Connection. Now, Miami Connection, I would definitely say is better. 
but mm-hmm. I'll put both of these movies in in the five range. So I'll I'll give it uh, five rocks as well. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Miami Connection is one of those movies. It's just like if you're talking to someone about bad movies, and if they're like a fan of bad movies, the first one I always bring up is like, "Have you seen Miami Connection?" <laughs> And if they have, then I'll mention, you know, have you seen Deadly Prey? Or, you know, there might be some other movies I throw out, but those are always like the first two that I think of. Yeah. That's it. What were you going to say? Yeah. That's another awesomely. Yeah. All right. That's another awesomely (laughs) bad movie review in the books. So. Yeah. So we can wrap this up. Um, Caleb, I know that you have some suggestions. What do you got? Yes, uh, and I was supposed to work on trying to get a soundbite for that, but I forgot. I need to highlight that, so I try to remember to do that. <sighs> oh, my gosh. Do your job. Uh, I am not. I feel like I am not as much of a movie TV show watcher as Brandon, like because I feel like you're doing it all the time. Um, I let sports interfere a lot more, I feel like. Um, so I'm not going to recommend multiple at a time i'm always going to recommend one at a time and so actually kind of keeping in the uh ballpark of deadly prey um but definitely definitely not like a b movie but kind of in the ballpark of you know revenge uh action i'm going to recommend a 2007 movie and actually i'll be really interested to hear if you've seen this brandon because i don't think we've ever talked about this movie and it's actually starring kevin bacon called Mm. death sentence i don't think i've ever even heard of that i think you should watch that because it's actually (laughs) pretty good and uh, just kind of keeping in the same genre. Like, if you, if you like Deadly Prey, I would be pretty confident that you would enjoy this movie then. Now, of course, it, like I said, it's not a low-budget movie. They, they do a great job with everything. But just the, the story's engaging. Uh, it actually has a pretty good review. Um, but, yeah, I, there were some things in this movie that made me... Th- there was something in the Deadly Prey that made me think specifically of that movie. So then when it was my turn to do a recommendation, I was just like, I feel like this is a perfect opportunity to bring this up. So Awesome. Yes. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Uh, well, with that, um, you know, kind of run along here on time. Um, yeah, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, again, I'm Brandon. Uh, he's Caleb. Um, next time, it's personal. Uh, you know, we'll, do we even have a topic for next time? I don't think so. We'll have to... You know, yeah. kind of post that on on Twitter. You know, we could take suggestions too, whatever you guys think. Um, I mean, until then, later. Yeah, I don't have a tagline. <laughs> the end of story. Drop the bike. <laughs>